Hello, lovely, gorgeous people. How are you today? I do hope you're doing okay. So this is my first double guest episode, and it's also the first podcast my guests have ever done. So I'm so proud to introduce them to you. Sam Pantolin started out working in the travel industry. Alex Williams was an estate agent in London, but their decisions to finally make the leap and become midwives brought them together. They met at university, have celebrated the highs and lows together, and now run the Naked Midwives. I'll let them explain what they're doing, but their mission is for everyone to feel they've had a positive experience when giving birth. And they're a bit like having a midwife as your best friend on speed dial. Sam and Alex explain what it takes to become a midwife, what life is really like, and why it's probably best not to wear a white shirt. But yes, while there is talk of births and new families, this story is one of friendship and courage. Two women going through marriage separations, bringing up their own children, who found the strength and determination to help others bring their babies into the world, while helping each other too. Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak to some incredible people who've already started their next chapters in the hope it might help you with your next chapter, or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here they are, the Naked Midwives. Sam and Alex, the Naked Midwives, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. I am thrilled and delighted to have you with me. Thank you. We're delighted to be here. Yeah, thanks. And as I said, this is my first double guest. So this is, <laughs> here we go. We're, we'll do this together. Okay, so we're going to start. So I'll start, as I always do, with the prologue. So, yep. Alex, shall I start with you? So you yep. say you grew up in Sheffield. You you described your childhood as colourful. Um, and your dad was a sports personality and a professional boxer. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. So he... Um, he was um, a British um, light welterweight boxer. Right. Um, so um, in the seventies, actually. So we grew up sort of in and around the boxing culture, um, and we have a massive family, um, huge. Um, and then when he sort of came to the point of his career that um, it was getting on a bit, and they were <laughs> mum and dad went into um, into a pub. Wow. So, um, and then he carried on just um, doing sports, um, professional cricket team, um, a big angler. So, yeah, Amazing. it was, um, yeah, but we spent, actually, we spent a lot of time with other family members. I think that's how I grew up, um, is sort of, you know, being passed around quite a lot. Yeah, because <laughs> they, so, they were busy. And so, because you said then they went on to own a fishing tackle shop as well. So there was quite, there was quite a lot going, a lot going on. So, yeah. At school, were you? Did you have? Did you think then at all what you wanted to do? Were you? Or were you not? You weren't. You just weren't because you said then you ended up with three jobs at the age of sixteen. So further yeah. education just wasn't on the cards. Definitely not. No, not for my family. Um, so school was difficult. I think um, it wasn't necessarily valued really mm-hmm. in my family. That there wasn't any direction um, as such or. Um, little encouragement um and i actually remember the day that i left school um we went to um a local pub um (laughs) to have like a little leaving do and i remember one of the teachers saying alex you know she's 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 really good but she's underconfident but she really needs to think about furthering a career and my dad said 
no, she starts work tomorrow. Right. And that, that was, was it. it. That's so, yeah. yeah. So at the age of 16, I used to, um, I had a job in a fruit and veg shop. I had a job in the local pub. And after school, every day I would work in the fish and tackle shop. Wow. So, yeah. So for me, um, education came later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I, I think confidence for me came later on in life as well mm. so did you like yeah. school when you were there did you like it not particularly mm. didn't you i loved going to school did you well, well, i never take myself no, so scared i might miss something not really no not education wise obviously social wise no. <laughs> in yorkshire actually we used to because we get um heavy snow i mean that was the best time of year for us because the school was always closed no, no. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly so 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 sam so you're then the opposite as such so you you grew up in dorset and you yeah. wanted to be a nurse back then that was when i was really young i remember thinking oh i'd really like to be a nurse and then that all just kind of fell by the wayside and i went into i did a travel and tourism course when i left school at 16 and then i couldn't get a job for love nor money because everyone said right back when you've got some experience so obviously how was that going to work so i just kind of like fell into various jobs and then my then boss said, why don't you do marketing? I need somebody to help me. So I went and did a marketing degree at night school um, and then just kind of went into uh, doing marketing jobs. And then I had my children. So I did what I worked for myself and did sort of like freelance marketing. Um, then we went to Australia to live. And then when we came back, a girlfriend of mine had a travel business and she said, well, why don't you come and help me? And it fitted in with school hours and things like that. So that's kind of how I got into travel. And it was a, a small bespoke um, company and we tailor made the holidays to suit. So I went to some amazing places. But that was when I thought I've always wanted to be a midwife. And I went to two open days and talked myself out of it. Well, the first one, my middle daughter, who's now 25, was, I don't know, about a year old and she started crying. So I left. And then the second one I went to, I just had my third child, who's just turned 18. And my marriage had broken up and I thought, how can I do this? I'm a single parent. I've got three kids. This is crazy. And talk myself out of it again. So it was a bit of a long, long journey, really. Well, I now look, Sam, you've skipped ahead there. You're galloping ahead. You talk a lot. I'm <laughs> yes. on to the next thing. She's on to the next thing before we've, before we've dealt with this. Yeah, the, the, we have, we've got to deal with you at school first, Sam. We've got to deal with you at school. Oh, I love going to school. Like I say, I didn't want to miss out on any social side. That's why I never missed a day of school. Okay. And what what kind of student were you? You you liked the social side, but did you like the education as well? Um, I didn't mind it, but I remember working out how much I needed to pass every test I went into. So I just kind of like always winged it and got through by the seat of my pants most of the time. So, okay, right. So we will then go on. To, so you go in, both of you into your first chapters. So if we go back to you, Alex, you moved to London then, didn't you? And you became an estate agent because um, your mum said get into property. That's where the money is. Because there was a lot of money. In there. I think <laughs> there still true. is. There still is. So, um, yeah, so you you were in London and, that, and then things started to change for you. This is where you started to really get your confidence. Yeah, I think so. It was a really big step, actually, moving to London. Um, and it was scary, really scary. I remember just feeling so overwhelmed with the whole sort of thing again just like oh my god what am I doing I need to run back home type of thing but um yeah I I I did I moved to Muswell Hill in London um and thought what shall I do and phoned my mum up and she said number one either come home um and 
get back to the fish and tackle shop. Go and find a job in, you know, in property or in an estate agent. So, and that's what I did. So I worked for a, um, it was quite a small um, estate agency in Muswell Hill, but um, I did that for about two and a half, three years. And yeah, I went, I, I just grew in confidence then. Mm. Um, and then that's when I started thinking, okay, I'm earning good money. Um, I, you know, I feel that I could achieve more. What do I want to do? So, and that's when I started thinking about, well, I thought about my family, I think more because I just, I'd moved away. It just dawned on me that, you know, this huge family that we've all grown up at, at some point, there was always somebody pregnant, mm-hmm. maybe not one person, three people, mm-hmm. there was lots of babies and, you know, we, we all the kids would be together. So one of the great aunts would have, have an afternoon where, you know, we, we were all together. And that just really made me think about the interest that I had. Mm. I think that was the first time I actually thought about what I wanted to do right. rather than just going out to earn money um, just because that's what I thought I had to do. Mm. So, yeah. Did you go to London on your own? So I, I, I met, um, I, no, I met somebody in Greece, actually. Wow. <laughs> Very good. Very exciting part of my life. <laughs> Um, and he lived in London, um, and he's the fa- father of my daughter now. So we, so I moved to London with him, um, and spent yeah four years there. And then we moved together from London down to Bournemouth. So he he moved his business from away from London. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because you obviously have a, from such a sort of close and big family. But then when you went to London, you could really sort of start to see what what you wanted to do. That sort of you had that. I yeah just started just forever. to grow and started to think about it yeah. which is amazing so so sam then so well we had a sneak preview then so um <laughs> you, I'll slow down now, but yeah, yeah. that's all right it's brilliant it's you know look it's a taste of what's to come so yeah so you you went into travel um and you so you went out to live in australia as well yeah we went out uh, australia is something that i'd always wanted to do and i'd always talked about oh, i'd love to go and live in australia um and we applied to go and took ages like faffing around and not filling in the forms quickly and then eventually we they said oh well you can go and i was pregnant with my second my middle daughter so i couldn't um do the you have to had x-rays and all that kind of stuff so i couldn't do that until i had her so then by the time i'd had her they said well you can go but you've got to go by march i think it was so we only had like a few months And I think we got so swept up in this excitement about, oh, we're going to go and live in Australia. And I didn't stop to think, I'm not really sure if I want to go anywhere. (laughs) Because, you know, it was a long time, period of time between applying and then going. So anyway, we went and we lived there a couple of years. um, And then my then husband's family, uh, they had a business here and his mum got sick. So we came, came back. But really, if now I'm older and I look back, I think probably that was a bit of an excuse to come back because we never really settled there. Where did you and live in Australia? We lived on the central coast, which is about an hour north of Sydney. Wow. Um, and my sister lives there. And I've now got two brothers who, since they now live up in Cairns, so all of my family are there except me. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it, it kind of, it was lovely. It was beautiful. But everyday life is the same wherever you live. Mm. You just have to go to work and pay the bills. And for me, I really missed the family I had here. I really missed my friends that I had here. Um, and my husband was Italian and he had a big family here as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, we ended up coming back. And were your family, 
already out there the ones who were out there or did they follow you um my sister was and my one of my brothers my other younger brother went after i'd come back right Mm, that's a whole other next chapter really isn't it what it's like to go into the ball we'll discuss that another time so um so yeah so you at this stage um you you'd thought about so you thought about being a midwife after a traumatic birth yeah i went to two open days and like i said both times had children that were very young talked myself out of it this is crazy i'm a single parent i've got three kids this is bonkers i can't do this um and then i sort of time went on and i carried on working in travel and i then met my husband i'm married to now and we went to see an old family friend of his who was really poorly um and she said oh i'm not worried about dying i've done everything i want to do and it was a bit of a light bulb moment and I thought, why do I keep saying I'd love to be a midwife, but don't actually do anything about it? Mm. So I um, went to see if I could do an access course. Cause obviously, I hadn't studied for a long time. So then I got onto the access course, and then I applied to go to university. And I got on to go to university because it was so competitive. There weren't many spaces, no, were there? not at all. There were about yeah. 30 spaces and like 750 applicants. Wow. And I kind of, I really believe if something's right, if the timing's right, then things do fall into place. Mm. So maybe those other two times that I taught myself out of it wouldn't have been right anyway. Mm. I don't know. And how old were you by this stage? I started my training when I was 45. Wow. I always joke, say it was my midlife crisis. I should have bought a sports car and had an affair. It would have been much easier. (laughs) Oh, I mean, you could say that. You could could be off now, flapping in the wind. Um, But but that's amazing because it's interesting because we have this conversation quite a lot. Um, I'm 47 and some of my friends are some similar ages. And we say this, that's that's a a really brave thing to do at that. You're right in the midlife there, aren't you? And you've got, so you you had three children. By this stage, you were married you were married again but um, I, was, I hadn't married my now husband but I was with him you yeah. were with him so so this meant going all the way back to the beginning yeah. education yeah. you know spending money as well I suppose not earning you know that was yeah. a huge a huge thing to do so that's amazing that you did that I mean we were fortunate I think when we did our uni because it was an NHS course the NHS paid the um uni fees right so we didn't have to go into loads of debt and I got a bursary because I wasn't living with my husband then, I was a, technically a single parent. Okay. So um, I kind of got more funding and things like that. But yeah, it was scary going back into education and teaching yourself how to learn again. Yeah. Um, there were three other girls. I met Alex and I met in the last year at university because you started before me, didn't you? And then had a gap year. Mm-hmm. So there were two other girls that were a similar age to me, and we were called the Golden Girls. <laughs> and we used to laugh like mad and mess around and have such a good laugh. And all the younger kids used to say, oh, come out, come out with us for a drink. You're really good fun. And we said, we're only good fun because it's 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, that's it, we're in bed. <laughs> You're asleep. And how old are your children at this stage? Um, well, Hope was eight. So she's my youngest. So they were eight. I can't remember. Eight and a bit older. Eight yeah. and older. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so, so Alex, how did you then finally make the decision to, to go, go back to university? That was when once I'd had Nancy. So I was 26 when I had Nancy um, and um, living with her dad um, down in Bournemouth um, and thought, do you know what? I need to, I want to pursue this now. Um, again, I think, I think for me, when I was pregnant, <clears throat> I used to watch every single programme that was to do with pregnancy, birth, one born every minute, everything that was on. I was so fascinated by it. 
and then I, I I really wouldn't say I had a traumatic birth but things turned at the last minute you know I thought I was just going to have a very sort of straightforward okay your body just deals with this and Nancy was breech and I went into labour but I went into labour very quickly mm. and by the time as I got to hospital and um, they worked out that she was breech so she was the wrong way around and took me straight to theatre um, for a cesarean section and I knew nothing about cesarean section apart from a little bit that I'd seen on TV um, so that was quite scary and it was funny because when I did my training I, I found it really difficult being a, a student midwife and having to go into theatre because I think it drew me back to how out of control I think I felt at that point I thought I don't know what's happening I'm not in control of anything so um, I had her and then thought, right, I need to go and get some sort of um, qualification. So I went and did A-levels as well. Um, Nancy was about, I think, four. And I was so, so, so surprised. I remember phoning, I phoned my dad first, actually, and said, I've applied to university. I've just been interviewed and I've got a place. And I can't even tell you what he said. I don't know if I can or not. <laughs> Go on, say it. I can beep anything. <laughs> he went, shit a brick. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, see that teacher, she says, like, how are you going to manage that? And then it was literally a, a, um, like a phone call to every single family member. I think I was the first person, in fact, I know I was the first person to go to university within my family. Yeah, I was as well. Yeah. That's amazing. So it was, it was a massive thing, but so, so scary. And I, starting off, I never thought, it just was so overwhelming and I just thought, I just keep going because you never know. And I, I never thought actually I would get on that on that course, uh, on the degree yeah. at all. But I did. You so, did. Um, yeah. And how, your daughter was four at this stage? She was. She, my daughter was four, yeah. And it, it was really difficult for me. So, so like Sam said, I started uni, um, I think, I don't know when it would have been, 2008, I think. And it took me five years to get the degree because I separated from Nancy's dad, right. so from my daughter's dad, um, and that was in the first year of university. So I um, I did it solo. Mm -hmm. So I and all my family is still in Sheffield. Nobody's nobody's moved out of Sheffield. So it, that was really challenging mm -hmm. because it's. It, it, the course itself is academically very, very hard, but you're also working clinically. Mm -hmm. So we were having to do 12-hour shifts and, you know, nights, and, nights yeah. all sorts, you know, it's 24-7. Um, so I had a lot of family that spent a lot of time driving up and down the country to be able to help me out, really. So what, they would come and stay with you and look after Nancy? Yeah, well, occasionally, yeah. I mean, it, it was difficult. She was sort, she was between me and a between me and a dad. So when she was with a dad, I would try and work as much as possible clinically, and then when she was with me, it was literally a case of trying to entertain her whilst I'm right writing a dissertation. So it, it was it was hard. It was very stressful, but um, equally, you know, it was amazing. Mm. So when I got to the end, so. But that's amazing for both of you there because that wasn't straightforward for what you were both doing so that shows how much you wanted to do it because it would have been so easy to say do you know what look you know this isn't right i think we're just both a bit pig-headed <laughs> i don't know what do you always say i am tenacious tenacious, tenacious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sam likes to use <laughs> that's amazing and, and i suppose people don't always realize how involved it is to become a midwife mm. 
Yeah, yeah, it's an academic and a practical degree at the same time. But it's an emotional journey yeah. as well. You know, there's a lot of an emotion attached to what we do. And I don't think there's one student who ever doesn't have a moment when thinks and thinks, I'm not going to do this I anymore. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. How far into your training or learning there are you when you see your first birth? Oh, gosh, straight away. Yeah, you do. When you first start, say we started in September, then you went out, we went out into practice in beginning of December yeah right. yeah so and you have to sort of I remember going to the new forest birth center because you have to observe um, a birth and you know other than what you see on tv mm. or your own experience mm. I remember walking in just as this woman was delivering and the midwife was doing an episiotomy which we don't do that often no. to be honest and I remember being in this white linen shirt <laughs> <laughs> not practical at all with my back against the walls and you know, oh my lord what you know this is like it was amazing but it was really scary that's really funny because the birth first that the first birth i witnessed i remember thinking this is brutal mm. this is really raw and yeah. brutal yeah and i'd had three kids by then yeah but i just remember thinking whoa yeah yeah mm. amazing i think that was my first thought is this is amazing women yeah. are amazing this is why the ladies have the babies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started but um they it, it's true isn't it because when you're in it i've had two children but when you're in it I sometimes think that my husband was present. I do wonder, not, you know, obviously, and he would say as well, I was doing the work, but it must be quite traumatic to see it because yeah. because you're, when you're in the moment, you you just, you know, goodness me, you don't know what your own name is, do you? Yeah. But but yeah. when someone's watching, especially someone that they love so much, um, and then you see it, you see these things, it must have just, just been a total different ballgame. I, I think that's partly why we started the business as well, to be honest, because we work a lot with birth partners because, mm. you know, it is, you know, it's ma it's massive. Mm. Um, and even though, even though they're not physically feeling that pain, there's a lot of emotional pain mm. that can be attached to birth, mm. and if they, you know, and if they're not prepared for that, um, and you know, get get the expectations right, it's it's almost like it it, it just makes it a lot more positive for them mm. because it's it's a yeah. really it is it's a difficult yeah. situation to be in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It is, and then your life suddenly changes. Yeah, terrifying, sure. and it mm. sort of happens, and nothing can prepare you, and then you're. Yeah your whole life changes in that moment. Yeah. yeah. And especially men, I think men want to fix things, don't they? They want mm. to make everything all right. And so they're just there. They feel they're in the way and they're helpless and they can't do anything. Mm. So um, by by working like with the naked midwives, we kind of prepare them and, and manage their expectations as yeah, well. And as much the, as yeah, they they've got a massive role in this. They have a massive role. They just don't see it. Mm. And they're not aware of it. So that's why we do a lot of work with the birth partners, because actually how they're behaving and how they are sort of coping with things has a massive impact on, on, on the, the woman, woman going, yeah. through, going through it. Mm. So that's where we sort of try to tackle, you know, um, bridge that gap and um, ensure them that, you know, they're... they're they're, 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 they're not just there as a bystander. No, they're equal to what is going on, really. Mm -hmm. Well, before, um, before we get into that, so, so how many years did it take for you to actually then be a, a qualified midwife? It's three years at university, but you can take gap years. So you did a year, I, had a break, did a year, had a break. Yeah, you? so it took me five yeah. years. So five years. And was well, how long did it take you, Sam? 
Three. Three. Okay. Yeah. So then, so so you had met in your final year, you say, yeah. and then were you? Did you both go and work in the NHS? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we went to our first interview together, um, and. We drove home. The interviews were so stressful, weren't they? <laughs> so stressful. I was like necking the rescue remedy. It was, it was so <laughs> stressful. It was very. And then stressful. we stopped in the pub on the way back, and then they phoned up and said, "Like we've, we've got." I the think. Phone. I think. Did I get the phone no, call? No, I first? did first. Oh, Sammy yeah. got the phone call first to say offer it, offering the job. And of course, we were we were both together at this time. So I'm thinking, if I don't get a phone call, I know. I'll have another I drink. Not for a job, but I did. So did. we were very pleased. Mm. And where was this? At Southampton. At Southampton, yeah, oh. where we trained. But us both, we've both kind of taken different paths. I've tended to go down the more hospital um, high-risk route where you've done more birth centre and home birth, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. So, so, so you went to work at Southampton and at this stage you were having sort of general kind of seeing it all, really, seeing it all. Yeah. And what was that time like when you were actually doing it and then you were working in it? I mean, did it, you know, how is that? Because I just can't can't sort of quite imagine that you know you're dealing like you say with people with these life-changing moments but that's your daily job that you're constantly seeing so how did how did that work did it did you get used to it or did it always do you always feel or did you at that stage you always feel oh my god this is just incredible every single time yeah I think you get used to it it's 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 the best job in the world but it can be the hardest job in the world the paperwork and the politics is horrendous but that's a whole nother story but even now, every time I see a baby born, I still think that is just amazing. Mm. How that how that all works is just amazing. Mm. Um, and it's so rewarding when a couple come in and then they go home a family. That's mm. really special. Yeah. Mm. And you just, it's, it's a bit addictive, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. It's it, definitely, it is yeah. addictive. You're always, you know, if you've just done a shift and you've left somebody, you'll always want to go back and find out what happened in the end. Yeah. You don't ever just kind of go off and not think about them again. You no. have to complete the yeah. journey, don't yeah. you, with each person. Yeah yeah so how did it come about then that you started the naked midwives um so <laughs> 2016 i think it was 2016 i had quite a bad accident so and my sort of right leg and foot was crushed so i was off work for um probably about 16 17 months um because it just wouldn't heal um incredibly painful and during that time i missed work I got lots of anxiety because I couldn't do anything. Um, everything, sort of the career path that I had planned was just dissolving. And I thought, I don't know what to do. Um, being a midwife is physically demanding. Mm. And I just thought, oh my, I don't know what to do now because what if I can't do 12 hour night shifts? What if I can't stand and support a woman, you know, throughout her labor because it, it was just taking so much. The recovery and healing just was... And you, I think really if you haven't done it for ages, you lose your confidence. Yeah, well, and as well, yeah, yeah. It was just like, you know, this is... Um, it was really tricky, a difficult time. So um, Sam was around quite a bit. And I was like, well, you know... She I was need... my care in the community project. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start thinking. I need to start thinking about the future, about, you know, where, where my career's going. Um, so Sam came over and we had a, quite a few ideas, didn't we? <laughs> pet funerals, that was one we, of them. We were going to do pet funerals. Then we yeah. thought they'd stick to what you know. Yeah, so, uh, so anyway, we were, we, we were just chatting and working things out. And we just sort of sat there one day and said, you know, it's wonderful what we do, but it's so heartbreaking 
when women have this sense of failure, which we were seeing over and over and over and blame again. themselves if they yeah. want an epidural or if they yes. end up having a cesarean section. Yeah, mm. it's really, and it's like the praise was to the, for the women that just had a very straightforward low risk birth like mm. oh amazing you did so well yet the woman that had been laboring for hours and hours and hours and got to maybe seven or eight centimeters and then needed a, a cesarean yeah. section mm. that that just they didn't get that same sort of oh yeah, you done, yeah, yeah haven't you done well that wasn't there so we could see that there was a massive sort of issue with this sense of failure mm. um and we thought we need to do something about it and then I was on Labour Ward and one of the dads said to me, everyone's really nice on Labour Ward. And I said, why did you think we wouldn't be? And he said, oh, we did antenatal classes. And they said to us, don't go to Labour Ward because that's where the doctors are. And he put his claws up like that. And we were like, what? Yeah. And then one, somebody else said to us, they, had, they um, had a cesarean section. So they had to do the walk of shame after they had their, when they did their reunion. <gasps> Yeah, that's just terrible. It's bad enough. Yeah. I mean, as women, we feel like it's so disappointing if you think you failed. But as midwives, it's like, well, we're letting women down here yeah. by not managing their expectations. Mm. Yeah. This isn't right. Mm. Yeah. So were you at this stage as well, Sam, thinking you wanted to sort of do something a little bit of different as well? Yeah, and just to change women's perception. I hate the fact that the women, I mean, I think as women, we blame ourselves for everything anyway. <laughs> you knew all yes. the guilty, full stop. Um, but to blame yourself that you've done something wrong because you wanted an epidural or you didn't end up giving birth under a tree with angels flying around, you know, it's just crazy. Mm. So, you know, birth is birth and it's just what our ultimate goal is that every everyone feels positive about their birth, regardless of what happened. Mm. Like the merger did yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you so you came up then with the naked midwives, which is just brilliant. So and is the idea of the naked midwives, is that? that you're giving them the naked truth or I mean yeah. presumably you don't yeah. you know you wear clothes there's yeah. no there's <laughs> we get much business when, when, when we first started the business though it was really funny because we we literally bought a book how to start a business and we bought another book how to build a website and we bought another book how to do accounts you know and, and, the, and the feeling is, yeah yeah, so then, and so this is where we started off. But when we first um, started um, with the website and the statistics, oh yeah, you know the Google Analytics, the, the Google those. Analytics, which is still foreign to me, but that we we would have a section of people who were men in their fifties yeah. on our website at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and I think their, their idea of the naked midwives was, was very different, was completely different. <laughs> yeah. Which, they probably were a bit shocked by some of the pictures they saw. Yeah, they were a little bit disappointed, I hazard, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that the name came, we came up with a name because it is sort of, you know, it's real. Yeah. Um, it's it's um, no filter, no fluff. It's, this is, you know, this is, we're practicing midwives. This is how we can tell how things are. We know, say realistic. it's realistic rather than idealistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so good. It's so important as well, because that, again, that stage, when you start going into that world, especially with your first baby and, you know, I remember sitting in these groups and everyone mm -hmm. thinks they know what they're talking about. And you really, you, looking back, you're like, it's utterly ridiculous because you don't yeah. know, because you, they've never been you before. You know, you're, everyone's yeah. unique, yeah. aren't it's they? It's unique. It's yeah. unique. And that's the thing. I have a bit of an issue at the moment with the apps that people have mm. because there's no app in the world going to tell you when you're in established labour or how well your labour's progressing because we're all unique. 
So, you know, that in itself is is a big thing yeah. at the minute that's that's mega confusing for women um, mm-hmm. and for the workforce, definitely. Mm-hmm. So you you set this up. You'll go and see them, basically, will you? And you'll guide started, them through it. Yeah, we started up doing groups. So and we our idea was that we had really lovely venues and we'd include food and drinks. So it was an investment and it was a nice day out and a bit of a celebration of being pregnant and and a nicer learning environment. Yeah, exactly that nicer learning environment. And the women wanted to make friends. So that was really important to them as well. So that was what we were doing. And then obviously COVID came along um, and one of the venues closed down. And then we just thought, how are we going to do this? And it was very difficult for us with still working as well, because we our shifts quite often didn't match up. So we now do um, sort of one-to-one classes. So we go to their house. They can ask any questions they like because they're the only people there. Um, and we then follow up. We don't just wave them goodbye. So, you know, have a nice birthday. We, you know, they can telephone us or email us and we do wellbeing phone calls and we go and see them after the baby's born. So it, especially in these times, kind of post-COVID as it, as it is now, um, maternity services are so stretched a lot of women don't see the same midwife at all throughout their pregnancy, which is horrendous. Mm. I mean, I was a community midwife for a while, and I, I knew if I saw a woman every at every appointment, I'd know if she was looking a bit odd or there was something wrong or what, you know, because you get to know you've got up a relationship. Mm. So the women are missing out on that. So by doing this one-to-one um, naked midwives, they know they can phone up and they'll speak to either myself or Alex. They'll met us. They, tri- they trust us. Um, it's a bit like having a midwife as your best friend or a midwife on speed dial. Mm. They kind of get that support. Actually, yeah, because it's not, it, this wasn't a direction that we were going in. No. Um, but what we found by doing this is that they they are really getting out, getting the education, what they need, mm. because everybody's different. So if you're in a group environment, some people don't want to ask questions. Yeah. Some, you know, everybody's got a different fear, whereas this is really bespoke, so we can really get to know this couple, understand sort of where, where they both are, understand what their needs are, and then work with that. So every class we teach is different because mm. the people have got different needs. You know, some people have got real control issues, so we deal with that. So it's we give them we give them the education and all the facts that they need, but it is really pretty much tailored to them mm. and their circumstances and you know their lifestyle, everything. So and and we do and it's great for us because we're like we feel like we're part of the family. Mm. <laughs> we really do, yeah. don't we? Yeah, and and they just and it's lovely that they can that we feel we can give them that continuity of care. Yeah. So that they, you know, so that they've got this person that they trust that, you know, even if it's a, a silly question, you know, which then isn't such a thing as a silly question, but um, they will phone us and, you know, within five minutes or 10 minutes, we're, we, every, you know, everything's sorted. Okay, this is fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or equally um, signpost them to somewhere else. Mm. So it, I don't know. It's just, um, it's a real nice um safety blanket that's what one woman said is you know i just feel now that i've got i've got that security that sense of you know empowerment um to be able to to do this mm. which is great yeah. which is great isn't it and the whole point of, of the education is knowing all the facts beforehand because you know if you've been in labor a long time and you're exhausted and someone comes in and says well do you want 
this or this or this is what we're going to do that that's not the time to make any sort of clear decisions mm. because you're tired and exhausted and emotional so if you've got the facts beforehand that's going to help you feel way more positive about what happened after you've had your baby mm-hmm. and you feel a bit more in control i suppose yeah exactly we, yeah. we had one couple who really wanted us to focus strongly on their birth plan just one birth plan and we was and we couldn't do that mm. because that that mm. we we talk about birth pathways so okay th- this could be your birth plan plan if everything's straightforward and there's no complications but as a midwife we're not there to deliver babies women deliver babies we're just saying we're there to we're there to risk assess basically and every four hours your plan has the potential to change Mm. so you know by by teaching by by going through one birth plan with somebody that is there in itself setting them up to fail because Mm. if anything deviates away from that then that's it. They're like, okay, we're out of control now. We don't know what to do. Yeah. So we would never make a birth plan with mm. a couple. We we go through, okay, so if your birth changes onto this path, then what's your preferences? Mm. So this is straightforward. This is not so straightforward. This is changing from a high risk to a low risk. What are your preferences? Mm. So that they've got this sense of remaining in control throughout what's going on and getting rid of the word normal everyone talks about normal birth and normal delivery well if you haven't had a baby before you haven't got a normal mm. you know yeah. yeah what is your normal yeah there isn't a normal yeah in childbirth yeah really. oh and it just as you said we said earlier but you just i remember it so well but you're just in hindsight you're setting yourself up to fail yeah. you know this and, exactly. and, and, yeah, and it's it's you know and, and it's just the beginning you're be, becoming yeah. a mum it's not yeah. like you go through this experience and you walk away and it's all back to normal and no, it's no. to set You're yourself up the whole relationships change with yourself with your partner everything's changed everything changes you're not that person you were before no and and how you birth and and what happens to you during that whole process that stays with you forever yeah it does it, 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 has, yeah. it has a massive impact on um you know on that on that transition yeah. from being um you know a couple to being a family to being a mother to being a father yeah. your that experience that you go through has a massive impact on bonding relationships you know at the other end which yeah. is why it's so important to us yeah. that we get get that education out there to, to the women beforehand mm. and help the women feel supported we do yeah. a thing at, at the hospital i think most trusts do it called birth afterthoughts where you can talk through what happened during your birth and they are since covid and since there's the maternity services being so stretched they are absolutely inundated okay. consequently they now they haven't got enough midwives to do it no. you know because women need to de- debrief and unpack all of that mm. why things happened and, and what happened mm, of course they do and presumably as well i mean it, what's great is obviously because you're both sort of working within the nhs so you're you're there but also this i would imagine that you're completely unbiased it's not that yeah. you have to sort of push yeah. a certain way it's like this is what's what's best for you and i think that's really important as well because yeah. sometimes you don't realize that there is this there is a bit of a bias being put on you Mm. yeah absolutely yeah and actually it's just saying to the women you don't have to do you don't have to be induced if you don't want to you don't have to say yes to having vaginal examinations if you don't want them you do have that choice but this is the reason why we're saying we think you you know we're offering an induction at this stage or this is why we want to see how far dilated you are but actually it is your choice so it's giving them the whole information Mm. and do you notice going back to the whole partner thing because again that is um 
you know, I still, I still can see my husband's face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know, I know. <laughs> and and although that he kept um, disappearing, and I was like, oh my, and he was like speaking in hushed tones. So I was like, oh my god, what's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. And it turned out yeah. it was the uh, snack machine was broken, and he, <laughs> and he couldn't. And he was like, um, can I get Why something to eat? Surprised? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so the next when we had our next baby, he ate, ate like a three course meal while, and I was virtually having the baby upstairs. It's like, hang on, okay, right. But do you? Husband said to me, "Oh, you don't seem to be as been in, be in as much pain now." Oh my god, I wanted to knock him out. Yeah, yeah. You piped down there, thank, thank yeah. you. Uh, because also, you know, you know, you do on. I I still now I shout at the telly when you see women, you know, and they're sitting there, they're sitting on the bed. And they they look glamorous, and then out comes a baby. And I think well, yeah. it, it definitely wasn't like that when I did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But do you find like with with the partner? So when you work with them, do you find that that it does help? Because obviously, then you work with couples who haven't had the naked midwife experience. Mm. So can you see a difference that they sort of do feel yeah, more prepared, yeah. and yeah. the partners too? Yeah, Alex, tell um, Ellie about what happened on labour line. About that dad yeah so labor line is um like a triage service so if you if you're in the early stages of labor at home now you i'm a midwife that's on the end, other end of the telephone to talk you through that to give you some support and to try to work out if it's an appropriate time to go in i go through all the risk factors things like that so day in day out i'm speaking to couples that are in this early stages of labor where it's terrifying you're at home you've not got a midwife there or a healthcare professional so it's just i work a lot with with this area and a lot with birth partners so nine times out of ten it's usually the birth partner that makes the call um so i was on labor line the other night and i had um a guy phone in and he literally reeled off everything that I needed to know as in like okay this is my wife's hospital number this is her name she's um 40 weeks pregnant and two days she had a a vaginal delivery last time there's no complications she's a low risk pregnancy she started to contract two hours ago I've popped her in a nice warm bath and um just phoning to let you know so um when things progress we'll give you a call to go in to hospital and she's booked for Broadland she'd like a pull and I was like, that is the best handover of care <laughs> yeah. I have ever had. Yeah. Like that, and it could, because I've got a northern accent, obviously, <laughs> and there's not, not many that have that work on the line. <laughs> and um, he immediately went, is that Alex? <gasps> and I said, yeah, it's Alex. And he was like, naked midwives, Alex. And he said, <laughs> yeah, it's naked midwives, Alex. And then he explained who he was. And they'd done a course with us two oh, years previous. Wow. Their first baby. So he had, and he was just, oh my gosh! And then he put his wife on the phone, and he's going, "It's Alex! Can you believe it?" That's you brilliant. know, and I was like, you know, that shows that actually the first time round, they, you know, they did really well from from the education that we'd given. But equally, yeah. the second time was absolute delight. I felt yeah, amazing. They, they, someone taught them well. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did, and you know, and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to phone and check, see what's happening in a couple of hours' time. And I phoned, and he was like, Yeah, she's just had a poor birth, and 
everything's great and thanks again it's like great oh yeah. that's amazing I mean that's so rewarding as midwives yeah isn't it? absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah and how do you both cope with it because obviously you know without sort of dwelling on that obviously you do see the two mm. sides of it of life um mm. and and for you I mean because it, it is such a you know as we say the the biggest moment in in someone's life and you're dealing with this all the time how do you both sort of deal with it and cope with it do you need to have a bit of time you know a bit of space or do you help each other or what how do you sort of cope with it, it working like this it helps if you've got supportive colleagues as mm. well mm. um that really helps we, we, we chat through everything yeah, yeah. so we're you know because we, we've got the business together as well um we will have days where we're working on the business but generally the first hour we're sort of dealing. How was your shift? Yeah, how was your shift? How's things going? Is everything okay? You know, and some days are good. Some days, some days mm. are really bad. Mm. But um, you just got to keep going. You know, the, that's the what trust, we do. The trust we work out are very good at supporting you. If if there's some kind of outcome that was unexpected, they'll have like a, a I can't remember what they call it. Sort of like a meeting where you all get together shortly afterwards as well, because they don't want anyone to go home and feel like it was their fault and and sort of blame themselves and then de- go down that road so they are quite good at, at making sure that everything's talked about and out in the open mm, that's good that's and equally good. we're quite good because we're lucky we live on the coast so we go for yeah. walks and we drink yeah. wine <laughs> uh, you're lucky i don't live near you i'll be i'll be popping up <laughs> occasionally have a spa day quite right and so well deserved so moving on then to be continued what would you like to do next i'm guessing i know but go on tell me what would you like to do next um, well we, we're just trying to expand the business we're trying to reach more women um so obviously you know we, we at the moment reach a certain category but there's a lot of women that um, maybe if from more deprived areas mm. that we can't, we, we're not seemingly grasping those. So we're just looking at ways at the minute how we can sort of broaden that. Uh, and we're looking at really our target market are the people that really value the education yeah. rather than doing a class to make friends yeah. because you can do that in lots of different ways. Mm. Um, we're looking at working with student midwives as well and teaching student midwives how to teach antenatal education. Um, because that's something that they don't have m- much focus on at the universities. So that's kind of like a project we're working a, on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's quite a big project that we're working on th- at the moment. But And it's not, because they're at university, they lo- they're learning the clinical side of things. It's more sort of, for us, what we're, we're teaching them what we've, what we've learned. So, mm. you know, our teaching when we first started the business was quite structured. And now it's not at all because we, along the way, we've found out more what women want, what women's fears are, what what the birth partners need, and the best way to put that across to them. Yeah, as well. and speaking their yeah. language because as midwives we talk about things like shroms and you know VEs, everything's sort of abbreviated, which is very confusing mm. for new parents. I haven't got an idea, a clue what's going on. So mm. we, it's so the angle with the, with the student midwives is just sort of learning from our experience, really and learning how to teach because we as a midwife you're not you're not taught how to teach to a group of no. people so and that's really scary sometimes i remember my one of my very first um days as a newly qualified midwife i had to go and teach antenatal education and stand in a group of there was about 
don't know, 25 people in the room. Yeah, right. I was absolutely terrified. Yeah. Instead yeah. of thinking, actually, they don't know anything and I do know something. Yeah. And actually getting confidence from that, I was thinking, oh my God, I've got to speak to all Everybody's these people. looking at me. Yeah, that's what I remember thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's looking at me. So, it's, so there's an angle of, you know, us teaching them how to teach because that's not covered at the universities or colleges. And I, that's amazing because you can, it's it's having your confidence as well, isn't it? That, yeah. Because when I can imagine you can, you get some parents that they, as we said, think they know what it, what mm. lies ahead and know this is what I, I've read the book and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, and there will be some dad making some smart ass comments. Oh, I bet they do. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to punch it? Well, I wouldn't say, well, I wouldn't <laughs> condone violence, but I can imagine what you're William singing throughout the entire birth. Yeah. How annoying was that? Yeah. <laughs> I bet you do get, I, I can't imagine what you do see. I bet you do see all sorts. <laughs> well, we do, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stories there, but that's... Um, you have to come for that glass of wine with you on the end yeah, by the beach. Right. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm going to find it all out. I'll find yeah. it out. So, um, and do you, is the NHS supportive of your work? It's difficult because they can't be seen to promote um, promote the Naked Midwives because we work for the Trust. Hmm. So we're very lucky in the sense that a lot of the midwives that we work with that we know uh, will absolutely mm. give women the option of what's available and we would be part of that but we can't directly advertise through the nhs no. because yeah. um, but the midwives and the doctors that have met the women that have done our classes have had an easier job with yeah. those women so okay. actually they value what we're yeah. doing don't so they? we had a consultant write yeah. to us yeah um, actually which never happens yeah so but the consultant found time to write to us and say well done you yeah doing, you're doing a she great job she looked after a woman that had had a really horrendous time everything you could have thought of happened to this woman and she went to see her afterwards and said you know are you okay do you want, want to talk about what happened and she's oh no i understood it all because i did a course with the naked midwives amazing so, she was okay yeah, yeah. Mm. so even after all that quite an eventful um labor and delivery in her mind it was still positive mm. she stayed in control she made the decisions that she needed to make at the right times and and they were happy with yeah. her mm. so yeah mm. and i suppose perhaps they're I don't know, you'll know more than I but perhaps was a time where people did have slightly more time, but now everyone's so stretched yeah. that yeah. this you're really providing something that should have always been there in the first place. Yeah. But you're, provi you're providing yeah. it, which yeah. is so desperately needed. So moving on to your acknowledgements, who would you like to thank who have helped you along the way? Well, it's funny because we didn't have <laughs> answers at all until Alex arrived at my house. And, I, and you said, actually, well, you did not. I was thinking about, I didn't know if we were thinking about the naked midwives or the degree or the, yeah. or the, the thing. Oh. So, but I was saying, well, it takes a village like it does to raise a child. Because for me, I couldn't have done it without, my mum was brilliant. I had a timetable that was like multicoloured. And as long as everybody did what they had to do in the right order, everything worked. So... And the mentors, we had some brilliant mentors. Some as in, brilliant. As in at university. university. Yeah, some, some yeah. were good. Yeah. 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 And I think that makes a difference. You'd you'd work with one mentor and they'd say, Go on, you can do that. You'll be fine. You can do it. And make you feel like you could. And then you'd go with another mentor that would watch you like a hawk and you'd feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. There's a definite split yeah. there between that. Um you're lucky if you get the same mentor. And you get yeah. and you get a good mentor. <laughs> That's all I'll say. But yeah, we compared our answers to that, and I was a bit like, no, flying solo. <laughs> yeah, you said actually no I one. Yeah, it's all by myself. But actually, obviously, my family did come up and down. It was difficult for me when I was doing my degree because I'd had a separation, and you know there was a lot going on. My father passed away, and there were big changes. 
for me during that time so it's quite unsettling mm. so but obviously yeah I would I would thank um I would thank my family but not my ex-husband <laughs> but Tim Tim, Tim who is um, um, Sam's husband he's our number one cheerleader so very I, good I will thank you <laughs> he gets a for... thanks not letting me quit and Tim that's so, me. Yeah. That's me. but your family must be so the, the fact that you were both the first ones to go to university and to do this I mean of all the jobs to do to do this job mm -hmm. they must be so proud and especially with your family Alex you know that was so sort of baby orientated it must be very special for them that you're working in something like yeah, this yeah definitely they're very proud absolutely um my mum comes down quite often actually to see me from Sheffield and we went out. We went out for a meal um, at a local restaurant, and there was quite a few of us. More friends, just just my mum, and I think my younger brother was here. And a lady collapsed in the restaurant. It was so funny. And I'd had a few glasses of wine, obviously, because I'd got a night off. And a lady collapsed in the restaurant, and she she just passed out. Probably her blood pressure had dropped or something. So obviously they were going to call an ambulance. And I said, hold on a minute. Let's just see what we're dealing with first. So I got down, made sure she was all right. She came round, gave her a glass of water, said, you know, it's probably she'd got blood pressure issues. I said, right, you need to go to your GPs tomorrow, but we don't need an ambulance. Save that resource. Da, 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 da. And then I turned back round, and there's my mum stood up clapping. She's a midwife, you know. She's a midwife. Have another drink. And I've never felt so embarrassed in my entire life. And I was like, just sit down, mum. No, and then the whole restaurant was like clapping. Oh, and I was amazing. just like, oh, dear. dear Quite dear, right. Dear. Quite yeah. right. I think it's a good role model as well because we've all got, I've got three girls and Alex has got a daughter. It's yeah. a good role model for the kids. Yeah. And then you think my job is disgusting. Yeah. And how could you possibly do that? And when I was at university, they were at school. I had pictures of vaginas stuck over the kitchen all labelled. <laughs> like, Mom, my friends are coming home. <laughs> and equally, I had my card on, didn't I? With, yeah. with, with, the, with, the, with the logo on it, the naked midwives. And Nancy outright refused for me to pick her up from anywhere. <laughs> so, that was great. You know, with the mums that are having to rush around doing all the pickups yeah, and everything else. Not you. Get something really ridiculous put on your car. Yeah, that's a good tip. <laughs> and then they're not interested. So they're not. None of them are interested in being midwives. Definitely no. not. Um, <laughs> but what role models they've got what role models so speaking of which if someone's listening to this okay first of all um you know i funny enough i was with a friend the other night and she said i've always thought about being a midwife and i do think it's something that people it's it's in the back of people's minds it's something that so just as something as specific as that if somebody like you they've got young children or you know they're busy they've got lots on they still think do you know it's i've always wanted to be a deep down i've always wanted to be a midwife what would your advice be to them do it i would say do it yeah i would say do i would say do it absolutely it's it's i think it's easier if you've got support around you yeah i think you know it is a difficult it's a difficult course but if I can get through it, anybody can get through it. We'll put it that way, really, because it, it's I didn't have that support on the doorstep, um, and and that was challenging. But and you know, equally, I'm not that academic. You know, I think as well, it's difficult to get onto the course as well. But yeah. believe that you can. Mm. Uh, I had a picture of my. I superimposed a picture of myself inside a soft top mini with a mortarboard on my head. All the, and it stuck it on my desk all the way through my training 
And the minute I passed my course and I got a job at Southampton, the next weekend I went out and bought a mini. Well, <laughs> yeah. It was like visualisation. I had it on my vision board. Yeah, yeah. You said that, that <laughs> vision board is really good. Yeah, the vision board is a, a definitely a yeah. good one. I think we both did that, didn't yeah. we? But you've just, you, it, I think you've got to feel it's the right time. It's a, it's a massive commitment. Yeah. It's Especially a, now because it's a massive financial commitment. Yeah, it's a massive commitment. But you know equally it, it we are incredibly privileged to yeah. do what we do absolutely um so and you've just got it you've just got to start you you know baby steps just make the first yeah. steps you know for, for us we did we had to do courses prior to getting onto the degree course so actually my my degree the whole training was about seven years but you um, said that to somebody you think oh my god seven years that's way too long but it goes like yeah. that just a, that that's the thing it goes like that goes so and quick. you think oh well if i start my training now you know say i'm 35 i'm gonna be 38 when i qualify well you're still gonna be 38 in three years yeah so you might as well do it yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. doing something that then you enjoy as well yeah. it's better than, yeah. than not. i think don't underestimate it because it is hard but it's like anything if you do any change of job change of career it's hard isn't it because you're stepping way out of your comfort zone mm. Um, it is, and I think that is a thing. It, it, you are out of your comfort yeah. zone when when you're training. But you don't want to get to but the, 85 and think, oh, maybe yeah. And the thing is, is to just ask, just keep keep yeah. going, keep asking, keep. You know, I remember going in time and time again with you know like um, I, I, the presentations and things. Mm. I used to hate getting up and speaking in front of people, and I was like, I'm really struggling with this. I really need some help with it, and they will give you the help. Mm. You know, mm. or equally, if you're sort of, I I was always last minute with everything, any assignment, and I would have to go and say, these are the circumstances. I'm doing the best I can, and they were really good. They would be like, "Okay, we'll let you have a little bit longer to complete that." Mm. So you've just got to believe in yourself. You've got you've got to really want to do it. Really want to do it. Believe in yourself, and if you work hard, you'll yeah. you'll get there. Mm. You get. And obviously, and and then so away from being a midwife, both doing great, really. But then you decided to do your naked midwives, which is so different. Like a, a, start running your own business as well. So it's, it, it's brilliant, though. It's absolutely I brilliant. Don't know. We're only 21, really. <laughs> you look it. You look it. And um, we, but so if someone's listening to this and they're like, because you see life, don't you? You see you're with mm. this start of life every, you know, most days and you see God, life is so, so precious. So you understand, you, you, you actually see that. So if someone's not sort of quite happy with what they're doing or whatever it may be, even in, you know, we have marriages break up, but just, you know, there's something not right and you know, you need to make a change. You need to start your next chapter but you're not doing anything about it because you, you sort of feel sort of stuck, really. What would your advice be to that person who knows, who's listening that, do you know what, I really need to make a change in my life and I'm just not doing it. What would you say to them? You've got to, you've got to, you've got to get step get on off the, the fence. Yeah, you've got to get off the fence, step on the edge. You know, there's always somebody going to pull you back. I mean, I, like I said, I went to two open days and taught myself out of it, but I, I wish I'd done it sooner. If I'd have done it sooner, I would, I mean, it, it has been a career for me. And I think I first started thinking about it seriously when my oldest daughter started talking about going to university and I was thinking, hmm, what am I going to do when all the kids leave home? I need like a proper job kind of thing. Um, but I wish I'd done it sooner. Yeah. I would have then, I don't know, been the shift lead or, I don't know, gone into management or something like that. Mm. But then I wouldn't be doing this now. And I think you've got to enjoy it as well. And, you know, we do the Naked Midwives and we have such a good laugh, don't we? Yeah. But it was difficult. Yeah. You know, for, for us that started the business, I think for me, I was pushed into that because I, I'd got a concern that, you know, I 
I'm not physically going to be able to do the job that I've trained to do. So I, I, I was stood on that ledge thinking, I've got to jump here because mm. I don't know, there's, there's no going back with it because I, I can see that my, my career that I've chosen is not what I thought it was going to be. You know, I'm quite lucky that I've, I've healed well and I can do a bit of both now. But I certainly couldn't be a midwife full time. So I suppose it, it was a little bit of, I've got to do this, but equally taking the first steps, I was then going, I can do this. Mm. Hold on. And that's, you know, I I didn't think I could do this, but I've been pushed almost into it. You've you've got to really get rid of the fear. I think we all, when you think about doing something new, we all think about, oh, but what if this goes wrong? And what if that goes wrong? But actually, why are we not thinking, but what if this goes right? And what if that works out brilliantly? You know, just turn it on its head. And actually there's, there's always, there's always choices. And if it all goes wrong, then do something else. Yeah. You know, at least you tried. And go yeah. for a nice walk with your friend on the beach. Exactly. And a bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> that is fabulous advice. Alex and Sam, thank you so much for being such amazing guests on the podcast. Oh, I love it. it. I love, love having two of you. Yes. <laughs> Come and see us and have a bottle of wine. Yes, please. <laughs> I feel like there's too much wine talk going on. Yeah. And then we're all professionals. <laughs> Ah, such professionals, and frankly, if I could, I'd be straight down on that beach with the two of them for a little glass of something nice. What amazing friends they are. I loved, loved speaking with them, and I love what they say. You've got to get off that fence and step on the edge. Brilliant. Just ask and keep going. For me, it's amazing. Two friends doing what they want to do, helping others while helping each other too. Sam and Alex really do know how precious life is and the power of friendship too. Now, you can find out more about them at thenakedmidwives.co.uk. You can keep up to date with me at elliebarkerwrites.com. You're listening to the next chapter by Ellie Barker, a flower pot production. Thank you so much for giving us your time. And just remember, keep going. You can do it. Speak soon.